There's no secret formula for scaling support and boosting customer satisfaction. But there is the all-new service hub from HubSpot, bringing service and support together in one powerful platform so you can deliver the best experiences possible and free up reps' time with an AI-powered help desk. Also, you can keep customers happy. Secrets out. Service Hub is a game changer. Visit HubSpot.com service to learn more. What's going on, everyone? It's Friday, August 19th. I'm Zachary Crockett here with Juliet Bennett-Ryla, and you're listening to The Hustle Daily Show. Today, we're talking to Adam Newman. Yep, that Adam Newman. <laughs> the guy who founded WeWork, spent a bunch of investor capital on booze and wave pools, and pretty much plummeted the valuation of the company from $47 billion down to $8 billion. But it's okay, he made out with a billion-dollar payday himself. Well, turns out that Adam Newman is back. He's got another $350 million check to start his next venture. And this one's focused on apartment rentals instead of office rentals. We're going to talk about what this startup is and how people in the tech world are reacting to the news. But before we get into that, let's just take a quick look at what's going on in tech business. The Big Ten reached a seven-year, $7.5 billion deal with Fox, CBS, and NBC to showcase its content across their platforms. That's the biggest college sports broadcasting deal in history, in case you're wondering. CVS, Walgreens, and Walmart were ordered to pay $650 million to two Ohio counties for their part in the opioid epidemic. That's part of an ongoing federal litigation effort across multiple districts, so those numbers are likely to get bigger in the coming years. Kohl's is doubling down on Sephora. They're adding the beauty shop to about 1,100 locations, and they're hoping that's going to spur $2 billion in annual income by 2025. Snap is winding down development of those little $230 Pixie drones. That's just four months after they launched, and their reasoning, resource reprioritization. Burton, a family-run snowboard brand based out of Vermont, is exploring a sale that could value the company at $800 million. And lastly, Cameo launched Cameo Live, a service that lets users have 10-minute video chats with celebs on the app. <laughs> no way that's going to go wrong. <laughs> oh, boy. All right. Juliet, let's talk Adam Newman here. Yeah, I'm excited about He's this. He's had a very long, interesting road. <laughs> let's start out here just like, who is Adam Newman? Okay, so I have not watched the TV show about Adam Newman called We Crashed, starring Jared Leto as Adam Newman. And I must say, I haven't followed Adam Newman's spectacular <laughs> career that closely, <laughs> but basically what he is best known for is he founded WeWork. WeWork blew up. Mm -hmm. At one point, it was valued at $47 billion, which I've seen some people say, like, there's no way it was ever really worth that much. But it was a very, right, right. very successful company. And then they were going to IPO, which seemed like it was going to be great. But then it turned out that there were all these issues. Newman spent a bunch of investor cash on booze and a wave pool, apparently. <laughs> he just kind of had like this super party lifestyle where he was like lavishly spending and having all these like these outrageous parties. I remember at one point he laid off a bunch of his staff and was like, oh, I don't have any money. I got to lay a bunch of people off. But then he had like a, a big party with tequila shots and rappers or something. Right. <laughs> like, just like the stereotypical kind of tech bro visionary. <laughs> yeah. So big rise, big crash. And then SoftBank ended up taking over the company and he ended up getting ousted as CEO. But he did leave with more than a billion dollars. So, you know, worked out for him. Right. And by the time he left, that $47 billion valuation had sunk down to something like $8 billion. Yeah. But, you know, it sounds like that story isn't all bad. 
Adam Newman, you know, like you said, he never really made a dollar on the business while he was there. And he left in his trail, you know, a lot of unemployed, disgruntled employees and angry investors. But the flip side here is that the company did eventually make that IPO, right? Mm -hmm. Through a SPAC in late 2021. Yeah. And I think it's worth mentioning that like, this isn't a Theranos where like there never really was a value. Mm. You know, WeWork was a useful company and a lot of people really liked it and got use out of it. And, you know, there's still operational WeWorks that you can go sit in and do some work today. So it wasn't like this company never even existed. It was just, you know, he did not do a great job um, being super Mm. professional, basically. And he still, at the end of the day, some of those earliest investors did still, to be fair, make some money Mm -hmm. on it. It just wasn't those astronomical profits that were originally floated around. Mm -hmm. Okay, so Adam Newman, he exits with a billion bucks. What's he been doing for the last few years or whatever? Apparently, he's been spending that money on apartment buildings. Wow, okay. I've seen some reports that say he's got over 3,000, others more than 4,000. So he's got property, basically. And now he's got a new thing. It's called Flow. And apparently it is valued at a billion dollars thanks to a $350 million investment from Adrian Horowitz, which is apparently the biggest check that his VC company has ever written to anyone in the history of time. Wow. And that's a huge deal because Andreessen Horowitz is one of the biggest venture players in Silicon Valley. Mm-hmm. They're really going big on this. Have we gotten any kind of insight into why? Uh, <laughs> no. So as far as I can ascertain, and according to a letter that Horowitz wrote himself, he's basically got a lot of faith in Newman based on the fact that like Newman did in a way revolutionize the office and maybe he can do the same thing with housing. So it seems like what's going on here is Flo is going to be a new kind of residential apartment living situation. Okay. So I guess think of a WeWork that you can live in maybe. That sounds like hell. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, I don't know. So basically Horowitz's thing is like living in an apartment is a soulless experience. You never meet your neighbors. You don't have any equity. You just keep paying some faceless conglomerate, a bunch of money, blah, blah, Mm -hmm. blah. And I would say in my experience, that has been true. I don't know a single neighbor and I live in a building with like 59 units and I don't know anyone else. So yeah, I get that. Right. So at one point, WeWork had a thing called We Live, and I think Flow is going to kind of be what this was. Mm. So We Live was an apartment, I guess. Uh, it came fully furnished, apparently. I read an article in GQ from someone who had lived there for 10 days to try it out, and they got a nice unit. It was small. It was expensive. It was like $3,500. It was on Wall Street, so that may <laughs> contribute to part of the factor. But it had nice appliances. It had kind of everything that you would want. And then there was this huge emphasis on community. Like there was a coffee bar where you could go and apparently get a free cortado. Mm. There was a cocktail bar in the basement, places to work out, places to hang out. And like he really did get to know a lot of people in a very short amount of time. It almost felt like the way when you're traveling and you're in a new place and you're staying at a hotel and you go to the lobby bar and you meet people all the time and you just have conversations because like that's the vibe. That's kind of what it felt like when this person was describing the we live. And so I do think for some people, probably like urban dwelling Gen Z millennial types who are maybe single or just with a partner, they don't really have a family yet, or maybe they've moved away from all their college buddies. Mm -hmm. I can definitely see the appeal of something like this. Sure. So Andreessen Horowitz basically trusts that maybe Newman has been through the ringer with rework. He learned his hard lessons. Mm -hmm. He still is a guy who is a visionary. He has a little bit more know-how this time around about how the real estate world works. 
And Silicon Valley just seems to have a track record of investing in these kind of big names Mm -hmm. that they have faith in. Yeah. And and there's been a lot of reaction to this. I've read a lot of quotes from other VC people who are just sort of baffled as to why you would make such a big investment. And then I've seen a lot of anger from founders who are like, oh, this guy like had the chance of a lifetime, screwed it up and gets to have a $350 million second chance. Well, you know, women and founders of color are still struggling to get any VC capital at all, no matter how good their ideas might be. So a lot of opinions (laughs) are definitely flowing around this company. Yeah. And there's definitely truth to that. Companies founded solely by women accounted for just 2% of all venture capital in the Mm -hmm. U.S. last year. That's according to PitchBook. And companies with black founders account for even less than that, Mm -hmm. according to Crunchbase. Yeah, it's less than 1%, right? Less than 1%. So, you know, that frustration is very justified. And I think, like, it's harder than ever. We're hearing a lot about concerns about entering a recession and, you know, businesses are pulling back a little bit right now. But at the same time, this kind of privileged tech founder in Adam Newman is getting a huge infusion of cash. Right. For reasons that don't really make sense to a lot of folks. Right. And, you know, I'm trying to see the value of flow. Like, would I want to live there? Do I know anyone who would want to live there? Mm -hmm. And I think one of the biggest questions for me is in Horowitz's letter, you know, he talks about how we're in this affordable housing crisis. And that's absolutely true. We're facing skyrocketing rents. More and more people are unable to afford a home to live in. And my question, I guess, is like, how is Flow going to solve that? Because I just feel like there will be this inclination to have all these bells and whistles like we live had. Mm -hmm. And I can't imagine that's going to come cheap. So my question is, who's going to be able to afford to live in these apartment buildings? Right. And that's really an unknown at this point because we know very little about the business. And also there's a question of what does it mean to have equity? If you are a tenant here, what does it mean to have equity? A spokesperson told Forbes they're going to have a digital wallet. Mm. So does that mean you earn, I don't know, crypto the longer you live there? Like, it's just kind of unclear. Right. Like, I have an idea in my mind of the kind of person this might be for, but I don't have an idea of the kind of person that can afford it yet. Right. The rent crisis we're seeing right now is a crisis of affordability. Rents are up 14% in the last year, year over year in July. You know, I don't think renting units for four or five thousand dollars a piece is going to help solve that problem. Has Flow been framed as an affordable housing solution? Not really. Although in his letter he mentions the crisis, so it's kind of like interesting. Okay, okay, well, how does this solve it? And you know, it reminds me of there's a place not too far from where I live, and caveat being that I live in Los Angeles, so it's never going to be cheap. That is very similar to this. So it's fourteen fifty to live in an eight bedroom house where I think you get a little tiny room and then you share the kitchen and I think you have to share a bathroom. So this is already happening among people who are like, hey, I'm willing to pay a little less to have friends and and share the cost. Sure. I think $14.50 is probably pretty affordable as far as Los Angeles goes, but... Oh, yeah, yeah, sure. (laughs) But yeah. It sounds crazy, but yeah, it is. Yeah, I remember living in San Francisco just, you know... 10, 12 friends would just band together and rent out like a Victorian house in the hate or something. Mm-hmm. And you'd each pay, you know, 600 bucks a month. But uh, yeah, that's how a lot of young people are cutting it in big cities now. Right. And, you know, a lot of the success of stuff like that is dependent on the other people. I actually had an apartment for $800 in Hollywood hmm. where I lived in a little tiny room and had shared amenities with other people. And at first I was like, this is going to be so great because I'm going to have friends and we're going to make dinner together. No, it was horrible. <laughs> like 
<laughs> you'd get one person in there that decided that they didn't have to clean anything. And then it was just, you know, a mess. Uh, they ate all your there, food. Yeah. It, it was just terrible. <laughs> there's always one of those. Right. So there's one more interesting angle to this Newman story that I wanted to talk about. Mm -hmm. It has to do with Mark Andreessen, one of the co-founders of Andreessen Horowitz. He's this very wealthy venture capitalist, and he's obviously betting very, very big on this new real estate venture. But he was embroiled in a little controversy recently of his own, right? Yeah. So apparently, despite the fact that he once wrote an essay about how it was time to build and part of that being housing, he, I guess, was apparently not so much of a Yimby, but more of a NIMBY when it came to his own neighborhood. And that means not in my backyard. <laughs> yes. No building. Right. He lives in Atherton, California, which, according to The Atlantic, is the most expensive zip code in the United States. Almost everybody there lives in like a really big house. Yeah. And the planning department wanted to increase the zone capacity of the town so that they could build smaller multifamily properties, which would have accounted for about 130 units by 2031, which sounds great. Except <laughs> he and his wife submitted public comment to the mayor and the city officials and were like, nope, uh, not in our backyard, apparently. Wow. Which is kind of like, okay, well, then where do you think you're going to put these flow buildings? Like, Right. <laughs> you know? So Andreessen writes, he pens this article, Time to Build, and he's like touting all of the virtues of building and saying that America's problem is that we need to build more. And then when it comes to Atherton, he is basically trying to... Uh, put a kibosh on anything that's going to be built in his own neighborhood. Right. His letter apparently said the subject line, immensely against, all caps, multifamily development, exclamation point. <laughs> letter, I'm writing this letter to communicate our immense, all caps, objection to the creation of multifamily overlay zones in Atherton. Please immediately remove, all caps, all multifamily overlay zoning projects from the housing element, which will be submitted to the state in July. They will massively, all caps, decrease our home <laughs> values, the quality of life of ourselves and our neighbors, and immensely, all caps, increase the noise, pollution, and traffic, which, I don't know, man, how is the quality of your life affected at all by people who don't have as much money as you moving into the neighborhood? I want to know. Yeah. <laughs> the all caps is such a such a Karen move. Right? <laughs> Andreessen's such a Karen, my God. Yeah, but like, you're right. I don't know, building an apartment building when you have, you know, three acres of land or whatever in a private koi fish garden, I don't know. Mm -hmm. You're going to be incubated. It's going to be okay, Mark. Right, it's like when people in Beverly Hills are like, we don't want the Metro coming here because uh, it'll bring like a, a bad element. And it's like, okay, but that also includes a lot of people that work in the coffee shops and bars and restaurants that you go to. Right, like, right. like, how do you think other people get there? So I don't know, you know, it's not like you can live in a private gated community with only people like yourself and have like a really colorful, vibrant experience. So I, I question that. Right, exactly. So now he's turning around and dumping all this cash into flow. Is that kind of like his form of reparations for <laughs> being a NIMBY? <laughs> I don't know, remains to be seen. Like for me personally, it's going to come down to, are these units affordable? Like if you really want to make a vibrant community with a bunch of people that can all help each other and be neighborly to one another, then you don't want just people who have a ton of money moving in. You want people who have all different sorts of expertise and work experiences. And like, I think that sort of community could be really cool, mm -hmm. but it would just really have to be handled in the correct way. Sure. All right. So long story short, we don't really know that much about flow right now. Kind of still in quasi stealth mode, I guess. We'll keep everyone updated on the story as, as we learn more. But for now, Adam Newman is getting a big second chance here. 
yeah, you, you do have to wonder how this is going to pan out. I'm sure somewhere in a back office, he got a stern warning about spending money on wave pools, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, if you were smart, he'd be very careful and do the right thing this time because not everybody gets a second chance like that. Yeah. All right, that's going to do it for us today. Thanks for tuning into the Hustle Daily Show. We're a proud part of the HubSpot Podcast Network. Our editor is Robert Hartwig, and our executive producer is the one and only Darren Clark. We've got a lot more tech and business coverage in our newsletter. And if you're not subscribed to that, you can go over to thehustle.co and get yourself signed up. We'll catch you all next week.